Welcome back to the ER, the Enlightened Revolution. And we are talking about shelter and prepping. And yeah, where do we go from here? So, uh, one of my fellow residents of the great Star Valley, Wyoming, teaches a course in survival. And in that course, he has a very memorable way of helping you to prioritize if you ever find yourself in a survival situation. And uh, uh, he does many things like this, and and uh, I can't share all of them here, but <clears throat> he, he likes to get those who will listen, those who take his courses, uh, to have such a clear understanding that when they're in a survival situation, they don't get flustered by the situation. They get to dig in and deal with first things first, second things second, take care of it, work it out, fix it, solve the problem. So that is exactly what we're going to begin with, is what he begins with. So what he says is, there are three threes you need to know about survival. And the first one is, you have three hours to find shelter. The second one is, you have three days to find water. And the third one is, you have three weeks to find food. Now, I'm sure none of us want to go three days without water, and I'm very sure none of us want to go three weeks without food. But again, we are now discussing a survival situation. What do you do to survive? Now, I begin this way because I think when we live by the prepper standard, we understand it better if we begin with survival. You have to understand what we're preparing for, right? We're preparing for a corrupt world government to seize rather suddenly all of control over the whole world. And they're going to do that in the same way it's always been done, which is undermine your basic needs so that you're desperate enough to come to them for help, which is given on the basis of of exchanging your liberties and your allegiance, and now you become part of that government which takes care of you, but for a very high price. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. So, we're preparing for a time when there's no food, there's no more income, there's no water. There's certainly no clean water. Uh, there's, there are people, desperate people, trying to feed their families that are taking to the streets. I've got a good friend who I, I think he's a very sound thinking fellow and he's really smart and has conservative values, etc. But 
when we talked about this, he said to me, yeah, hey, if there was no food, if I couldn't get food, I'd take my gun and take to the streets to get food from other people. He says, I don't care. I have to take care of my family. And uh, I about fell over. I, I'm like, really? That That's that's your uh, that's your position? It blew my mind. I, I had troubles wrapping my brain around the idea that he really actively thought that way. I'm like, why don't you just get prepared? You know, have your gun to defend what you have, but, you know, if you feel that's necessary, but why don't you just get prepared? Like, really prepared so you... You don't have to worry about you don't have to worry about that. Like you just stay home, black out your windows, you know, just something like that, you know. I'm not recommending any of these things. I'm just I'm bringing this up because um because it's it's a key part of this discussion. Uh helping us to understand what's going to happen, how we're going to have to think what we're going to have to deal with in the event of a complete collapse of things as we know it. As we know them, I should say. Uh, so we need to be prepared and we need to know what we're preparing for. I don't think we can expect any kind of status quo. I think we can expect quite the opposite. I think we can expect an arbitrary imposing of complete control of resources and transportation by people who have horrible, corrupt uh, motives who are just wanting to control us and control everything we do. You know, people take care of each other for the most part. If the economy collapsed and people were still allowed to do what they think is best, many people would just keep helping each other out. We would get through it and and we would survive. Everything would kind of go back to a tolerable norm. Might take some time. There may be some bumps, but not bumps we couldn't overcome. Not Not genocide not eugenics, right? But that's not what's going to happen. We have to understand. So what's what's coming for us is not that. So shelter is where we're starting. Uh, I had a conversation with a good friend of mine in the Atlanta area, and she says to me uh, that she just thought she wanted to stay and, you know, help all those poor people who needed help if things melted down. And she wanted to have lots of resources and be able to just help them out. And I wanted to reach over and take her temperature, right? I, I'm like, my friend, no, no, right? I mean, it's good sentiment, right? That's good sentiment. We need hearts like that. But we need heads that understand reality. The reality is, what would happen is, 
mobs would take to the streets. They would bust into her house. They're going to take all of her resources, and they're going to kill her. And they're not going to care at all that she was there to help them out of the goodness of her heart. They're not going to care that she would like to just ration to them what they really need to help them get by and also have her be able to survive. They're not going to care about that. They're just going to take what they think they need. They're going to squander it for the most part. They're going to burn through it and try to take more from someone else. And when it's gone, they're going to eat each other. That's going to happen. We can forget about some kind of world where we can be like, hey, everybody, you need food. I'd like to help you. I have some food, not a lot, but I'll give some to everybody until I run out of my surplus. No, it's not going to go like that. So I didn't reach over and take her temperature. But I, I said, you know, that that's a very Christ-like, and she is. She's a, a Christian woman of, of staunch values. And I'm like, that's a very Christ-like, wonderful thing to think. Um, but there's no way you're going to pull it off. And, uh, and I said, I would not, if I were you, plan to stay in Atlanta. I'm like, it's great. If you want to build up storage here and kind of be ready and that, that's great. But I seriously would not stand to st- plan to stay in Atlanta. I would not recommend anyone plan to stay in the cities. Uh, it's going to go very bad in the cities. People everywhere, city and country, are very poorly prepared. But in the country, more a higher percentage are prepared. And there also is a little more window to help more people. So it's possible that people in the country will just help each other. But people in the city are going to eat each other. Now, there will be exceptions. There will be people who survive. They'll band together. They'll start to work to help each other. But understand, the goal is not to protract this long enough that people get together and help each other. That starts happening a couple months in, you know. The goal is to upset things severely and then come in and offer relief to you in exchange for your allegiance, in exchange, frankly, for you agreeing that you will give all of your allegiance to the beast. The beast is the the fourth kingdom from Daniel. It is the beast discussed in Revelation. It is that beast which is the kingdom, not kingdom, but the the design of kingdom that really was developed with the advent of Rome and that has persisted to this day where the state tries to own everything. And it's going to require you to give your allegiance completely, including abandoning beliefs the state doesn't think you should have. And if you do that, then the state will help you quote-unquote, help you, and take care of you, quote-unquote. And if you won't, they won't. And they're going to let you die. They're going to let you eat each other. And, of course, the worst kinds of people are going to abandon their values, if they had any, and adhere to that great Savior, right? 
which is probably going to come not just with promises, but with miracles. And uh, <clears throat> so if you don't want to be part of that, and presumably if you're listening to this, you're thinking maybe you don't, right? There are those who are foolish enough to think that's a good thing, right? They're going to run to it. They're going to cling to it. I don't have anything to say to those people, right? They're going to they're gonna get what they deserve, right? They're going to get the fruits of the, of the choice they made. But for the rest of us, we need to be thinking about that. So if you live in a big city, you need an alternate shelter possibility. That's not as difficult as you might think, but it does require thinking outside of the box. Uh, a place you can go that you know. A place, if it's remote, even if it's kind of public, if it's remote and difficult to get to, chances are you can go there and you're going to be ignored. Uh, you can have shelter in your car, but you can't be parking on major thoroughfares. All of those are going to be overrun, either with these United Nation troops that are part of the beast, or with... Uh, your fellow humans are poorly prepared or trying to take what you have. So we need something better than that option. We need a place to go, a place of safety, a place so you can be scoping it out right now. Get yourself an old truck that runs good, put a camper on it, and get a cargo trailer to hook up to it. Uh, you could probably get into the whole rig for five or $6,000. We're not talking about a huge expense here. In fact, I don't recommend you do a huge expense. Just if you don't look like you're all that interesting, you know, you might do better. But the goal is to have a camper you can actually sleep in, maybe even have a toilet in. I know those toilets they put in those cab over campers that go in the back of the truck are not ideal, but it's something. A little bit of water storage in there, power, gas, you can cook, you can heat. And then you've got a cargo trailer. You can put food and water in some additional supplies, paper goods, things like that. And you find a place you can go and you store enough fuel to get there. And you're smart enough. Just like when you're in a survival situation in the wilderness and you're looking at what are my priorities? It's not water, not right away. Priority right away is shelter. You laser beam in on that. You think of nothing else. Just like that, you're, you're going to need to go to shelter early. If you wait until things melt down, you'll never get there. Everybody will be trying to leave the wonderful troops that take over will lock down the city. People will already be in gangs. You may not be able to get out in any case. You may not be able to get fuel in any case. You may have no choice at that point. So you need to pick a place. It doesn't have to be far. It just needs to be remote. It needs to be a place you don't stumble onto. A place, preferably, where you have to drive down a back road for a few miles that is on the way to nowhere. It can be paved, but kind of on the way to nowhere. Back road, few miles, get off where you can't be seen from the main road. 
a place you can set up and not be disturbed and and not be heard if you accidentally make a little too much noise. You find that place. You drive your rig, trailer and everything included, there several times. You make sure your trailer's in good repair, good good tires, good repacked wheel bearings, or if they're greasers, you grease them occasionally so that it, you, it doesn't run a wheel off of it. You stay prepared. You, you make the priority out of shelter. And that is step one in our preparedness. Shelter is the priority. It does you no good to have anything else. If you're overrun with a huge gang because you're living in the city in a place where people know they can probably go and break in and steal what you have. So, and I don't care how good you are with a gun. If there are 30 people breaking in your house, they're going to kill you. You may kill some of them, but they're going to kill you, right? Unless you have like grenades and fully automatic weapons, you don't have a chance. So don't count on that. You know, it, I'm a big believer in uh, this strategy of telling people what they want to hear, of, you know, just uh, living, doing our prepping in a way that is supportive of, of what everybody thinks they need to hear, what governments want, what special interests want, what people around us want. You build your preparation strategy based on giving people what they want to hear and see. And that requires us uh, to, to think about it differently. If we can avoid confrontation, we do so. The best way to fight, Mr. Miyagi says, and he's right, is to not be there. And when you're when you're fighting an intractable enemy with unlimited resources and you have to do it with very limited resources, you have to learn to avoid confrontational situations. Tell them what they want to hear. Respond in the way they think you should respond. And avoid situations where you can't do that for moral or other reasons. So, that's what we need to do. Uh, so when we're doing our, our, our plan, our plan to load up our food storage, pack our camper, put everything I'm going to talk about over the next several podcasts together, we need to be thinking, how are we going to do it soon enough that we're out of the way? And I recommend strongly that you invoke an awful lot of prayer here. Figure out what it is you need to do. Uh, to find out early. To get that warning. To load up and go. And get out of town. And, um, and I'm going to talk to you about everything else you're going to need as part of that. But if you go too late, you'll get stopped. If you go too late, you won't get away at all. If you go too late, it might have been better not to leave home. At least you had a fighting chance there. Trapped out on the road, there's no chance. Now, part of shelter can be 
some remote preparation, like geocaching, not, not the game people play, although the premise is the same. It's geocaching stuff. Stuff here and there that you know where it is that are things you might need. Buried in a place that you know how to find, but that probably nobody's going to stumble onto. And this can be any kind of resources you want, geocached in those locations. But they should make sense relative to where you are. And that's part of shelter too. So first goal, remember, find shelter. You have limited time to find shelter. You have longer to find water and much longer to find food. And if you're candid and reasonable and calm about this, you'll be able to pull it off with no problem. Thanks for listening.